as much when God is in it, and much is not very much if God is not in it. I don't know if that's I don't know if that's scriptural or not, but it's a good saying, isn't it? Hey, you know, I thought of something this week. I thought was just absolutely Brother Jim and I was fellowshipping. I think it was Jim. I told JT. Everybody's always asking me how I'm doing, how I'm feeling. They never did ask that until I turned 70. When I turned 70, they start wondering about it. So uh, somebody asked me the other day, how you doing? I said, one good thing about growing old, you forget how good it used to be. Amen. So everything's all right today because you don't remember what a ball you had getting here. You know what I mean? Somebody said, your legs is the first thing that leaves you. No, your mind leaves you first. Then your legs. But after your mind's gone, you don't care whether your legs work or not. And there's all kinds of really uh, advantages of growing old. Amen. Well, if you'll turn in your Bible with me tonight to the book of First Thessalonians. And boy, have I enjoyed reading and studying this book. And I just, I don't know why all these many years I've preached from the book. And I've preached, of course, on the rapture in chapter 4. And I've preached on uh, secluded individual verses. But in 50 years, 40-some years, 46, 47 years, I've never taught a book. And I'm enjoying the book. I, I just apologize to God on a regular basis for not making it a big part of my life. And you'll see what I'm talking about as we get into the book. The church was started by the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter number 17, verses 1 through uh, 10 or 11 or 12. Paul arrived in Thessalonica after being thrown in prison in Philippi of chapter number 16. And he leaves Philippi and gets to Thessalonica and goes to the synagogue three Sabbath days. And him in the synagogue preaching that Jesus Christ, this one that they crucified, is legitimately the Son of God, and he declared that by the resurrection of the dead. He's preaching that in a Jewish synagogue. He's preaching that in an orthodox Jewish context. And the Bible says many folk got saved, especially the devout women and some of the Jews. He started the church with three weeks' instruction. Now, you think about that. Three weeks. We have discipleship classes that last as long as 16 to 20 weeks. I mean an in-depth study of the Word of God. And people get out of that and then quit coming on Wednesday night. It makes you wonder that the Apostle Paul can ride, ride into town 
after being in jail and whipped and beaten and misused and goes from uh, Philippi to Thessalonica and as his manner was, went to synagogue on Saturday, preached three weeks and started the model church in the New Testament. The model church in the New Testament. You think about that. Now they run him out of Thessalonica. He's gone to Athens. And he writes back from Corinth to the church because he sends Timothy back to have Timothy to see how the church is going. Timothy comes back and reports to him. We talked about in chapter number one um, some things that the Apostle Paul did. But I want to talk to you tonight about the blueprint servant. Blueprint for leadership. A blueprint for leadership. Last week I talked to you about a blueprint for ministry. You remember I talked about Paul's ministry there, that it was a, he proclaimed the gospel proudly. Thank God Joshua Baptist Church is not ashamed of the Bible, the gospel, or which Bible we use, or being a Baptist. The only thing I'd be ashamed of if I was not a Baptist. Somebody asked a preacher one time, what would you be if you were not a Baptist? He said, dead. But I'd still be a Baptist when I died, because John the Baptist was. And so they proudly, a, 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 a blueprint, a, a model ministry is a ministry that is not ashamed to preach the gospel, and they do it proudly. They don't hide it. We don't discuss. We don't disguise or camouflage our sign. Uh, we do not uh, uh, tell people not to pass out tracks. We tell them to put tracks everywhere you want to. There's a lot of places I wish you wouldn't put ours with my picture on it, but put them there anyhow. Amen? But a, a, a blueprint, a, a, a model ministry, not only proclaims the gospel proudly, it also practices what they preach publicly. You know, it's a sad state of affairs to be one thing in church and another one at home and another one on the workplace. That, that is a soaring, sorry state of affairs. And probably if there's anything that hurts the ministry more than anything else, it would have to be inconsistent Baptist church members. People who won't pay their bills. People who won't stay on a job. People who's not willing to be generous in their attitude and in their, their finances or their, their ability or their talent. Dear Lord, we need to proclaim the gospel proudly, but we need to live what we preach publicly. Can anybody say amen? Dear Lord, I just... And then we need to prepare people to be disciples patiently. Have you ever noticed? I hope nobody's listening. I was putting out some blackberry 
plants this evening because, you know, it's supposed to rain. It's not rain. And I had dug uh, seven holes. Now, I didn't put out seven blackberries because it's the number of perfection. We just had seven plants. That's why we did it. And I'd had the hole dug and set the plants in it and told Ginger to go get some root stimulator. I don't know what that is. It just sounds good. Well, we were out. So she said, let's just put them in there and put a little dirt around them. And I said, well, now before we do that, let's water them real good and then we'll put the dirt on top. I thought that sounded well, I looked down the driveway, and here come Brother Ben with his hat on his head, brand-new pair of tennis shoes, dressed out like he is playing golf with Tiger on Sunday, black and red. <laughs> his dad was standing there. He started looking at them holes with muddy. Yeah, just water and dirt, and he looked, and he played around there. And his daddy saw him walking toward that hole. And his daddy said, Don't! About the time Ben stuck his head plumb up to there in that mud hole. No purpose. No reason. It just that mud and water absolutely works on the brain cells of a little boy. And he stuck that new pair of tennis shoes and did baptize them in Jesus' name, I want you to know. And about the time he did, his daddy grabbed him and spanked him. And I, I didn't have my gun or I'd have shot somebody. I didn't say anything. I was wondering how long it was going to take Ginger to say something. Well, Brother Ben and Dad cleared the property. And I want you to know my wife gave me a piece of her mind. I didn't tell her I felt the same way. I just said, you need to be more Christian about this. <laughs> patiently. You raise children patiently. And spiritual children needs patience. You understand that? And just because somebody's been saved a long time does not mean that they're still not spiritual babies. They just not had the advantage of biblical training. And here, and Paul, he was a patient discipler. He understood people make mistakes. He understood that we stump our toe and fall flat of our face on a regular basis. He knows that Baptists develop hoof-and-mouth disease on a regular basis. Open mouth, insert foot. He knows. And so to be a model church, we should proudly proclaim the gospel, publicly practice what we preach, and patiently Disciple people to serve the Lord. Now let's read verse 6 through verse 12. And tonight we'll take a look at a blueprint for leadership. 
The Bible says, 1 Thessalonians 6, Nor of men sought we glory. This is chapter 2, 1 Thessalonians. I'm sorry, but did I tell you 25? You know a dirty trick is to get up and announce you're going to preach out of Mark 17, verse 5, and watch people tear their Bibles apart trying to find it. If you need help finding it tonight after you go home, please call and I'll help you find Mark 17, verse 5. <laughs> now, I want you to know that I'm going to start reading in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 6. I probably didn't say that earlier. The Bible says, Nor sought we glory, neither of you, nor of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ, but we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherith her children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel only, now notice this, but also our own souls, because ye were dear unto us. Boy, how we need that in the ministry of our Lord Jesus. People need to realize we're not after what they have. We're not here to pluck them as a chicken on Sunday morning. We're here because you are dear to us. And people who are dear to Christ should be dear to the leaders and the folks in our church. For, verse number 9, For ye remember, brethren, our labor and travail for laboring night and day. Because we would not be chargeable unto any of you, we preached unto you the gospel of God. Ye are our witnesses, and God also. How holy and justly and unblameably we behave ourselves among you that believe. Man, that's a, that's a mouthful. For ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children, that you would walk worthy of God who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. Man, I tell you, if you read those verses slow, beginning with verse 1, and you can just feel the emotion that the leader, the Apostle Paul, had for the church. It's okay to love folk. It's all right to be gentle and kind and considerate to folk. It's not all right to be a spiritual pushover. But it is all right to be Jesus firm. Sometimes 
love is tough. I see more parents ruin more kids because they cannot exhibit tough love. And they give in and give out and give up and say, I don't know what in the world happened. Yes, you do. And you'll know exactly when it happened. We spend weeks upon weeks upon weeks at the Christian school trying to make up for parents who are not spiritual leaders. I'm not talking about spiritual bullies. I'm not talking about flexing your muscles and hitting on your chest and yelling like Tarzan, acting like Jane and looking like Cheetah. Lest you and I take a look at the model leader. Everybody is looking for a leader to follow. Everybody. We've been looking for one as president for several years and haven't found one yet, I don't believe. I noticed the commercial. You know, they're saving Abraham Lincoln and Ben Franklin even till today. Lee Robertson, a great preacher who built a great church in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and started a great college in Chattanooga. He preached till he was a 90-something. He was a giant, a gentle, godly man. Dressed in a blue, double-breasted suit. It takes power to do that, buddy. Might have been. But he said this, and anybody who can build a large school and build a great church, he said this. Now listen, everything rises and falls on leadership. A home, a business, a church, whatever it might be, you think about it a minute. But everything rises and falls on leadership. And I believe the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is in dire straits and dire need for leaders. We need leaders in the music ministry. We need leaders in the Sunday school ministry. We need leaders in the audio ministry. I have no idea what it is, so I am not a leader in that department. When you get beyond four Bose speakers and the mixer right behind you and a Radio Shack tape player, I sold hundreds and hundreds of records and tapes not because I knew how to run that thing, 
because I told them that those big old 33 record made excellent things to feed your cat on. And I told them I didn't care if they ever listened to my records or not. All I wanted was the money. You said you didn't. I did. Why do you put that stuff out there if you don't sell the junk? Can I help you a little bit? I had a tape. I sold, I don't know how many, husband and wife relationships. And I did seminars all over the country on, on homes and relationships. And one day I was putting labels on that tape, husband and wife relationships. And there was a mean streak in me popped up. I have no idea where it came from because I'm not that kind of guy. I don't know. This red light's on. I don't know what it is. We don't even care about it as long as we don't care. And so I sat in there one day, and I looked at those tapes, and I said, I wonder what would happen if I just put X-rated on that tape. Husband-wife relationships. Didn't change one thing on the tape. Same tape that I've been making for 20 years. The only thing I wrote on the tape in red letters, X-rated. I couldn't keep that thing on the tape. I was thinking about putting X-rated on everything I had out there. You need to be patient. Folks are looking for leaders to follow. And I believe the Apostle Paul was and remains today in the book of Thessalonians the absolute model for leadership. I, am, I read books on leadership, servant leadership. I think, I think a leader ought to be a servant before he can ever be a leader. I, I believe that with all my heart. I, I don't believe a leader's got to demand loyalty. I don't believe the leader has got to demand anything. I think if he leads the way God wants him to lead, people will follow. In 28 years at this church, I think I've only been harsh. I mean, talking about firing harsh one time. I think Jim was in that meeting with you, Jim. And Jim was glad that he was on my side that day. But in 28 years, in 28 years, I've never had to fire anybody. In 28 years, I've never demanded, never commanded anybody to do anything. I've asked, would you do it? And most of the time, it's with please. Not a day goes by, probably, that I don't ask Jim, is there anything I can do to help you today? Servant leadership. Let's look at it. Look at your Bible, verse 6. First of all, if you look at verse number 6, I believe if we try real hard, we can wiggle out this, that a real leader is called. Called. The Bible says in verse 6, Nor we sought, we glory neither of you, nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome, as the apostles of Christ. First Corinthians chapter 1, Paul says, I am called to be apostle. An apostle is 
a sent one. Someone who is sent. And I believe with all my heart tonight that unless you realize you are special to God and that God has called you, and if he's called you, he has endowed you and gifted you with the ability to perform that which he's called you to do. God don't ever save anybody that's not somebody. And if there's nobody, when he saved them, they became somebody immediately when he got saved. Did you realize tonight that you're somebody? If anybody would ask Paul, what are you doing in Corinth? Paul said, I was sent. If when he passed through Philippi and ended up in jail and beaten with a cat of nine tails and put in stocks, thrown in prison, and at midnight he sang praises and prayed, you say, Paul, what are you doing? He said, man, I was sent here. When he left uh, Philippi and ended up in Thessalonica for three weeks and preached, what are you doing here, Paul? I was sent here. You know the difference in us and Paul? We just hear. We just hear. This is the kind of church I want. It ought to be the kind of church Christ wants. And I got news for you. There's not one of us in this place here by accident. And we're acting as though we're here by accident so that way we can hide and not do anything and not serve, but God does not save people to sit. God has a calling on every one of us, and I've got news for you. You have the ability to perform that which God has called you to do. And our churches are dying on the vine because of lackadaisical, uncaring Christians that are completely out of the will of God. Unless I am performing that which I've been called to perform, I am out of the will of God. You get that? And may I say to you tonight, you need to realize that you're just not an accident, neither physically or spiritually. You are not the result of an evolutionary big bang get-together accidental look what jumped out of that mud hole and you're not an accident spiritually either and we need leaders for instance I'm just going to give you one Joe you don't mind do you Joe said I think God is leading me into the parking lot ministry of Joshua Baptist Church. That's going to be important to Joe. And I'll tell you what, when our senior citizens has got to park all the way downtown Joshua, and some of these young whippersnappers park right up beside the church and jump out and say, Woo! Glad I got here for them. Old folk did. That's going to stop. And you're going to see guys on a parking lot with a smile on their face that don't look like it's been a drudgery to get here today. 
And that is a ministry. You say, well, I think I ought to preach. We'll say you the lot down on the corner, and you can start it the same way I did. Amen. There's been a lot of guys left here and said, if Wolfenbarker can do it, I can do it. And they're still trying to do it. It's not Wolfenbarger. It's the Lord. It's the called man of God being in the right place at the right time with the right message, and that's all it is. To God be the glory. Great things he's done. Paul said, I didn't ask glory from you. I didn't ask glory from anybody else. I did it because God called me to do it. A leader is God called. Amen? Do you know I think God calls a man and a woman in a marriage situation to create a family that would honor God and bring strength and love and devotion from the kids to Almighty God. Daddy, I want you to know something. Good kids just don't happen. Good husbands just don't come out of the womb. A good husband. Good wives don't learn how watching as the mop flops and the young gets wrestler on their way down to Flamingo. Most of them end up in General Hospital. They just don't happen. They're discipled. They're trained. Dear Lord, can I give you another one before you get mad at me? Verse 6 through 8, real leaders are consecrated. Now notice, if you would please. I tell you, these are wonderful verses. Beginning at the last part of verse number 6, it says, When we might have been burdensome as the apostle of Christ, but we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cheereth her children. A nurse don't have children. Mothers have children. A mother ought to be one that nurtures and nurses. And Paul said, when I, were, I was among you, when we were among you, we were among you as mothers who cherish, nourishes, and encourages kids. Verse 8, So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because ye were dear unto us. I think a good leader is consecrated. Consecrated to God to the extent that they would exemplify the life of Christ in their life. 
Somehow or another, I don't seek Jesus walking around threatening his children. I, I never... Now, he might promise them, if you step across this line, you are going to receive the reward for stepping across the line. But he does not constantly browbeat or threaten kids. I think a good leader is authoritative but gentle. Authoritative but gentle. I got a backbone like a railroad tie and a heart as large as a watermelon. A good leader knows how far to go. But don't offend folk by not going any farther. Gentle, he said, as a nurse with her children. Boy, thank God for mothers, amen. I said, thank God for mothers, amen. There was a lot of times in my life, about three or four times a day, that I was not thankful for my mother. Because she could handle a willow switch about like Lysheru could a bullwhip. And she always had a willow switch someplace close by. And she kept it hid from me because I know she knew I would hide it from her. I would hide it from my children, my sister's safety. I had the most kind, gracious, caring mother anybody could ever have. One time I preached against the devil. After service, she said, son, you know, you're not supposed to talk about anybody. <laughs> My mom was that kind. She made my shirts out of feed sacks when I, start, when I went to school. There was so much starch in those feed sacks, I couldn't bend over till 1 o'clock in the afternoon. She starched my overalls and put creases in those overalls. She said, now, son, be sure your socks don't have any holes in them and your underwear don't have any holes in them. You could have a wreck, and what would people think? I said, Mom, if I have a wreck, I probably won't care if i got holes in my socks. And bless her heart. Raised in poverty as we all were, and we were, we were so poor. If we knew Job had had a turkey, we'd have stole it. Honest, we were poor men. If it didn't walk, fly, or crawl faster than five miles an hour, we shot it and ate it. You know, if you put a possum in a barrel and feed him corn for ten days, he's pretty good if you hadn't had any meat in ten days. You say, would you eat a possum? Not anymore. But I think a mother should teach the boys how to be authoritative but gentle. I think a father needs to be able to empathize with the kids. 
hurt with them, but not jump into their situation and become sidetracked and so warped that think all the teachers down at school is an idiot because the kid acted up. Oh, how many parents teach their kids how dumb the teachers are and how dumb the administration are because they're just picking on their little kids. Real leaders, patient, kind, caring, but not gullible and a pushover. Love can be tough. If you don't believe me, you read Hosea, Joel, Jeremiah, and Isaiah. And see if God, who loved Israel with all of his heart, did not exercise tough love. It's easy, and Brother Jim can testify to this fact, it's easy to have biblical standards when the kids are 17 months old. Cut your hair. Hmm? It's easy to have standards when they're two or three years old. Let me tell you when it's tough to have standards. When they're 14, 15, 16 and 17 years old. I've got a definition of the generation gap. You want to know what it is? It's when kids grow up faster than the parents do. You're still trying to treat your kids like they were in diapers when they're driving cars. Now, that didn't cost you anything. If you want me to, I'll take a special offering so you can pay me for that. It's tough cutting the apron string. You say, I don't dare do it. Then you made a mistake all their life, and you've not trained them right all their life if you're scared to trust them and afraid to trust your training and afraid to trust your God when they get 14, 15, 16. Have you ever seen any kids get angry at parents? Has the kids ever started giving the parents silent treatment? And when they did start talking, it was a different attitude when they started talking. You say, what makes you an expert? Six teenagers. All of them in jail, and that's a good place for them. Just trying to help you. A good leader is consecrated. He knows how far to go and how far not to go. He, knew, he knows how far his wife is to go and how far the wife is not to go. I don't know if you know this or not. But you women are supposed to submit yourself to your own husbands as unto the Lord. It also says you are to submit to one another in the fear of God. 
You need to learn how to interpret that. There are certain times when the man has to say, well, we're going to do it this way. You say, not at my house. Somebody's watching. Somebody's watching. Well, let's, let's, I think a good leader also hmm, ought to be concerned. Notice verse number nine. Concern. Concern. A good leader ought to be concerned. Verse nine. For you remember, brethren, our labor and travail, for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you, we preached unto you the gospel of God. I see concern in that verse. Concern enough to labor and travail. Concern enough not to take offerings from them just in the three weeks he was there. Concerned enough that God is to be honored and glorified and our pockets are not being to, feel, to be filled with somebody else's money. Concern. I think a leader ought to be concerned. What did Paul do? He did it for the Lord. Everything he did. The Lord deserves our best in verse number 9. There ain't no doubt about it. Night and day. He worked. They labored. They were concerned. They were consecrated. They were called and needed nobody to answer to. Paul has a spiritual reason and concern to do his best regardless of who is watching. Verse 9, not doing it for man, doing it for God. That God may be honored, that God may be glorified. Leaders are not serving people, therefore, serving God does not become, listen, a job. Bad day when we turn our service for God into a job instead of the ministry. If you won't do it for nothing first, you'll never get paid at this church for doing anything. Right, Jim? Can I say that again? If you're not willing to serve God for nothing, you won't serve Him for money. It'll become a job. Boy, I start at a certain time and quit at a certain time. Paul said we labored and travailed night. And what? Why? Because they want to honor God. That's a spiritual leader. Boy, a lot of folk got the idea that the congregation is to serve the pastor. Got folks running around. Do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. And they got the idea that they've arrived and now the congregation is to serve them. That's a father saying the truth. The pastor ought to serve the congregation. The leader is to serve those who he or she is leading. Jesus said, I did not come to minister to be ministered to, you know the rest of it, but to minister and be a servant of all. Can anybody say amen? I said, can you say amen? When you drive into the parking lot and you see some guys out there with a nice yellow deal on it, don't run over them. That, that's not, 
put on there so we could see them and run over. They're out there to be greeters. They're out there to help you park. They're out there to help you get out of your car. They're out there to help you. And if some of you get too old, Brother Jim will buy you a golf cart. Now, we don't know who's going to drive it if we bought it. But a servant is concerned. Do you believe that? A real leader is an example. Now, we set the example around here on how we dress. For some of you new folks, I'll just help you a little bit. If you notice on the platform, from here to there, suits, ties, dresses. Out there, we don't say a thing about it. No, sir, not a thing. Not a thing. We've had them come in and bikinis, okay, all right, almost, you know. With tattoos showing everywhere. I don't say anything about that. But we set the example from that first step right down there to back there. We set the example. We dress like we would like for you to dress, but we don't say anything about it. Never do. And you watch it now. You watch. Folk get saved. It may take them a while. They'll start sliding into that deal, you know, and start looking like some of you folk. <laughs> and even when I preach youth camps, they ask me to preach in just, you know, just street clothes. If I don't do that, I preach like this. I just think a preacher ought to be an example wherever he is. Amen? That's the reason when I sit around the house, I have a towel. When I'm watching television, I have a towel. I even go in swimming in this suit. I have a compliment tonight. <laughs> Brother Doug said, man, that's a nice suit. Is it shiny? I said, they do that when you iron them so many times. In fact, this one has been ironed so many times I could bend over. You could comb your hair and see to my britches. It just shines up. You know I'm kidding. Don't you, Miss Jennings? You know I'm kidding. But a leader ought to be concerned. He ought to be concerned. A leader ought to be an example. Does everybody agree with that? Notice what Paul said. He said, we were in samples. You're our witnesses. God also is our witness. Look at your scripture there. You're our witnesses. And for 28 years, I've tried to set the example in soul winning, in a walk with the Lord, credit rating. That's important. You can check it anytime you want to. I went to buy Andrew a truck, and I got so mad. I mean, I, I actually... Reverted back to when I was a gang fighter. I wanted to whoop this guy. He's trying to sell me a car. And he said, I've seen one man in my lifetime with a higher credit rating than you. I didn't even know you could find that. I said, what do you mean? He said, yours was 870-something. I don't even know what that means. But I've had one guy, I had an 880. I got mad. I said, why is mine not perfect? It ought to be. 
if you don't be an example. You say, how do you get that kind of rating? You pay your bills. You pay them on time. And if you can't pay them, show up and say, this is what I can do. My daddy said, pay up or show up. That's an example. Amen? And how I treat Ginger pay up or show up. How this church pays their bills is a pay up or shut up. I mean shut up, show up. You're an example to somebody. You've been called of God to be a leader, maybe a husband, maybe in a business. I found this 18-year-old kid from Indiana. Y'all seen this guy with hair? He looked like I did with hair. And Jim was such a good Christian, such a good soul when he was 18. I treated him like he was 25, 20, 26, 30. He was just, had a walk with God that I just thought was much more than his age. He's been that way all his life. That's no accident. Is any wonder he raised the three kids he did? They not only look like it, dear God, they look like it. And buddy, I want you to know they can eat a ton of chicken. The most dangerous place to chickens in the world was Cisco, Texas last week. I'll be concerned, and a good leader is a comforter. I'll close. It says, we exhorted and comfort and charge you. Exhorted, comfort, and charge you. You ought to be able to come to this place and get comforted. You ought to come to this place and be able to get exhorted. You ought to come to this place and get charged, ready to charge hell with a water pistol. Can you say that? A good leader. While I'm waiting.